Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Today is Monday, December 14th, 2020. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting live from Atlanta, Georgia. Today is the first day of early voting in Georgia. We were at the polls this morning where Pastor Raphael Warnock and Ambassador Andrew Young both voted together. We, you will hear from both of them right here on the show. Also, uh, Warnock and Ossoff, John Ossoff, held a joint rally at Turner Field uh, encouraging folks to get out there and vote, as John Ossoff also uh, led a march of the polls in Gwinnett County. Uh, speaking of uh, ele- Election Day, of course, we are covering all the issues. And, of course, Joe Biden won Georgia. And today, the Electoral College met and certified that he did is indeed president-elect of the United States. But Donald Trump and his minions, they continue to assert they actually have a shot at him overturning the election results. Ain't gonna happen. 
Bill Barr, the attorney general for Trump, has announced he is resigning effective December 23rd. Also on the show, we'll talk to Ben Crump about a case, a black man being shot and killed in Texas. Folks, it is a jam-packed show, lots to talk about, and it is time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. All right, folks, welcome to Roland Martin Unfiltered. We are broadcasting live from Atlanta, Georgia, where today began the first day of early voting. Of course, it will commence for the next three weeks all across Georgia. There are three races. They have, of course, the two U.S. Senate races, and there's a statewide race uh, where an African-American is also running in that particular race. Of course, John Ossoff is running against Republican Senator David Perdue. Uh, Pastor Raphael Warnock of Ebenezer Baptist Church is running against Senator Kelly Loeffler. Uh, they, of course, have been traversing the state, uh, spending lots of time all across the country this weekend, of course. We also uh, spent time on the road with Pastor Warnock in Albany, as well as Black Voters Matter in Macon, Georgia, and Columbus, Georgia. It is all about a ground game. Some $250 million is going to be spent on this campaign uh, with massive spending on television and radio, but it is now up to the voters. And today was the first day, day for folks to actually uh, do that. We were out at the polls this morning, uh, of course, uh, uh, talking to folks, uh, where Ambassador Andrew Young uh, was there voting with uh, Pastor Raphael Warnock. We live streamed that particular um, um, event taking place. It really was um, uh, a, a major deal, a major deal. Uh, to do that. And what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to play, I'm going to go to my iPad and I'm going to play um, all of our conversation with Andrew Young. Uh, and the reason that's important is because here you have uh, a lieutenant of Dr. King and you're going to hear him talk about having tears in his eyes when he arrived at the polls and saw the massive line uh, that was uh, greeting, uh, that, that greeted him. Folks uh, in line uh, it was cold this morning, some 41 degrees, overcast, wind was blowing. It was cold all day. But the voters made it perfectly clear. Yeah, they are go were going to do whatever necessary to actually wait in line. And so uh, we had a great chance uh, to chat with Ambassador Andrew Young. The media was assembled there as we waited for Pastor Raphael Warnock uh, to, uh, to show up there for the two of them to actually vote together. And so I, I just wanted to share this with you uh, and, and listen to the words and wisdom of the great Ambassador Andrew Young, also uh, former mayor of Atlanta, former uh, congressman from Georgia as well. Mr. Young, what's going on today? This is what we used to call a freedom day. That these are the people who have been marching and singing and, you know, 
protesting and boycotting, and today is the day they get a chance to vote for all of the things that they have been complaining about. And hopefully they're voting, well, they will. They'll vote for whoever they think is going to make things better for them. Now, that's, that means it's going to be a, a divided election. But hopefully, in Atlanta, after the vote is cast and counted, we live up to the will of the people, and we try to do as best we can what is best for all of the people. And, and I think that that's what's happening. Tell me about the candidates. What do you think about the candidates? Well, I'm a Democrat, and I think we have two young, bright, uh, wise young men that could give this country leadership for a long time. And um, they've got a diversity of background, and, um, and yet they've all come up through many dangers, toils, and snares by God's amazing grace. And I think God's amazing grace is going to lead us all. And, and why, is, why is this election so important? And where do you compare it with all the elections that you've been involved in? Well, this is the most important election I think I've, I've ever been involved in since, well, since the first, my first voter registration drive was down in Thomasville in 1955-56. And we got through that, and as a result of uh, that election, in fact, that was an election when all of the black people were Republican, <laughs> because there was a Democratic white primary, and they didn't want them whites, blacks, and that. But that was the vote where Eisenhower was elected. And... Uh, the black Republicans nominated the judges. And all of the judges that decided cases for us in the 1960s and 70s uh, were basically out of that 1956 election where Eisenhower was appointed and appointed the people that were nominated by the black and tan Republican Party. So would you say that out of all your involvements in elections, these are the two roles that stand, stand out in your life? No, there's another one, and that was where they elected me. <laughs> but, you know, the first election I lost in 1970, and one of the reasons I lost it was they must have put 100,000 pamphlets out that said, if Andrew Young is elected, the Black Panthers are going to get your daughter. <laughs> And they had me in a picture of, uh, from Mississippi uh, in overalls where I hadn't shaved. And um, they scared a lot of people into not voting for me. Uh, two years later, they knew better, and I got elected. And I've been elected everything almost. Well, not, not everything, because I, I tried to run for governor. But I was running for governor and running to get the Olympics. I missed the governor, but we got the Olympics. 
so I, I got no complaints about what's going on. Matthew, well, actually, uh, Stacey Abrams has been working on getting out the vote and registering voters, and she has personally been She's the only person I know that's personally visited all 159 counties in Georgia. And she carried most of them, uh, you know. Uh, but, um, hey, how you doing? But it's, uh, I forgot which lady came. Yeah, 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 she was I'm an old man, pretty ladies do that. <laughs> The importance of talking those rural voters and getting them to turn out. Well, yeah, I think we 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 do a good job with that. And uh, see, there's, there's no place more than two hours from Atlanta, almost uh, two or three hours. We got good expressways. We have not had as much voter suppression in rural Georgia in recent years as we've had in urban and suburban Georgia. But all of that's part of change. One of the things also works out when you talk about is that the already tried to change the various laws that they changed. You didn't even vote. You didn't that why the Secretary of State make it harder for the to win well, and was elected by the people, not the Republican Party. But um, I've even had, you know, I remember when I was in Congress with Newt Gingrich. I remember when he was liberal enough to take the lead with Jack Kemp on boycotting South Africa. And um, I've, every, everybody got caught under, I think they were fearful of the bully in their midst. And I, I'm sure they know better. And, you know, and I think we will move on after this. And. Uh, you cannot lose faith in democracy because with all of the troubles we got, it's still the best system of government on earth. And, you know, people are afraid of socialism, but you can't have socialism anymore. It cannot exist with cell phones. <laughs> Got to ask you, electoral college needs today. Yeah. Uh, and that's, uh, and, you know, go by and be certified to me again. Uh, Mr. Carlton, the attacks by Trump and his supporters undermine uh, this election. Well, even, no, but even the electoral college, see, I mean, this democracy is, was formed really very well uh, by the founding fathers in 1776. 
But they knew that they were not right about women or slavery. And we have had to work with the democracy. After the Second World War, they gave white veterans more benefits than they gave black veterans. <laughs> uh, they've given black far white farmers more land, big white farmers more land than little black farmers, or little white farmers. So, and um, the thing about an election every two years is it gives you a chance to perfect the system. And that's what I think we're doing. And I think people have gotten that message thanks to the candidates who've been out here getting it and, and you can't you can't shortchange Stacey Abrams for the the systematic work she's done. You know, she's one politician. When she lost, she went to work. And she hadn't stopped working yet. And I hope she won't. Tell you what, I, I'm, I was pleased when I rode up here at 8:30 this morning and saw that line. I went out to try to speak to him and I couldn't because I teared all up. I mean, people died for this right. I want to, um, so I want to pause that for a second. I want to pause it for a second, and so again. Just, just, just to put this in perspective for the folks who are, uh, who are watching this, there's a reason why we were out there. Um, you know, this has been uh, quite uh, a year of loss, uh, not only for African Americans, uh, but especially for Atlanta. Um, earlier this year, we lost Congressman John Lewis, who passed away at the age of 80 uh, after battling pancreatic cancer. Uh, we lost Reverend Joseph Lowry, uh, one of the civil rights stalwarts. We also lost Reverend Dr. C.T. Vivian. Um, you talk about collective folks, uh, 270 years of, um, uh, of life, of wisdom and experience. And so um, for Andrew Young, uh, who is approaching 90, uh, still fluid, still lucid, uh, to be there, to greet voters. Uh, he was he, he's a beloved figure uh, in this city. Uh, and it was, real, it was really, really important, uh, Pastor Warnock, you're going to hear this a little bit later, uh, as, he, as he addressed, as he addressed uh, the crowd there, um, to have Ambassador, uh, to have Ambassador uh, Young uh, there with him. Now, as I said, this is someone who's a United Nations ambassador, uh, mayor of uh, Atlanta, former congressman as well, uh, someone who's given so much of himself. And uh, it, was this, it was this history lesson, if you will, this history lesson uh, that he gave uh, us uh, talking about uh, the importance of voting, uh, talking about, again, what it was, um, uh, what Dr. King um, would think about this, but also John Lewis. And, and, and so we're going to share more of this with you. Uh, so, uh, some of you may have missed our uh, live stream this morning. Uh, and so we live streamed uh, all of this, even when Pastor Warnock uh, arriving on the scene uh, there. And so we wanted to just, uh, you know, show you some of this here. And so uh, here's more of uh, our, my conversation with Ambassador Andrew. And many of them I knew. 
and people got beat up, and uh, people lost their homes, lost their jobs, and democracy doesn't come cheap. Have to you have to give some time, and sometimes you have to risk your life that democracy might live. And John Lewis did that. Dr. King did that. Jim, uh, Jimmy Lee Jackson and Marion, Alabama, and Schwerner, Goodwin, and Cheney uh, in uh, Mississippi, and then George Floyd probably responsible for this boom uh, in Minneapolis. anybody left that doesn't understand the power of the vote. I mean, there used to be some dumb people, and there used to be some folk that just didn't give a damn about anything, including themselves, but uh, I think we've been through too much, and I think Stacey Abrams said the other night that the biggest increase in voter registration since the last election. That's just a few months ago, a month ago. But the, the largest increase in voter registration was between 18 and 29-year-olds. And young folk just get so busy. They're so busy growing up, they don't realize that this is a part of growing up. And what do you say to that person who says, I haven't seen change I don't think there's a, what do you say to that person who is frustrated? Well, I, I say that uh, what my daddy told me, don't get mad, get smart. When you get mad and get emotional, you do stupid things. And if you stop and think about why things have not gotten better, a good reason why they have not gotten better is we've not voted enough. And we've not voted intelligently. And um, we haven't, you know, I don't know whether you realize that when I was elected mayor, I was sworn in at 10 o'clock in the morning, got to City Hall about 12. At 2 o'clock in the afternoon, all of my boys from SCLC were out there picketing me. I said, what is, what is the matter with you? They said, no, you're the man now. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I realized. Which one? Huh? How does she know? Tell her I have my mask and there's nobody. Hi. How you doing, Bob? Okay. You were saying, you said your SCLC guys were picketing you. They were picketing me, and then I realized that uh, this was good because it gave me a constant reminder that I wasn't there for myself, I was there representing them. And I I taught them that what you're voting for, you're voting for somebody to be at the table when the money's divided up. And it's all about dividing up money. <laughs> and what you invest in what you believe in. And if you don't believe in yourself, uh, we had a little, little fella who started working with me at 14. And he was too young to vote, but he put bumper stickers on cars and got all his gang organized. And then uh, when I got elected, I was in Washington. I got a call one day and he said, uh, hey Andy, he didn't say congressman, he, 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 he'd known me. <laughs> since he was a kid. He said, I, I need your help. I said, what do you need? He said, I need to get into Morehouse. I said, well, you should have good grades. You're smart enough. He said, well, I'm smart enough, but I don't, I don't know about my grades. I said, well, you help me get into Congress. I guess I have to try to at least recommend you to Morehouse. Then... I go to the UN and he finishes Morehouse and then he calls me up at the UN and says, look, didn't you go to Howard? I said, yeah. He said, I want to get into Howard's law school. Can you give me a recommendation? <laughs> so I got him a recommendation for Howard's law school and he got in and by the time I left the UN and came back to be mayor, I was... Um, we, we were put finishing the international terminal in the third and fourth runway. And we'd have $300 million deal that we put together to take to Wall Street. It's the first time I'd ever been into a Wall, in a Wall Street boardroom. And I go in there and there are all of these books for me to sign. And I said, what, what is this about? He said, if you want your $300 million, you have to sign all these books. And I said, well, what are you doing back there? He said, remember, you sent me to law school. <laughs> he said, my law firm is doing the legal work on this. I said, how much are they paying you? He said, well, they're not paying me, but the legal fees on this are about $600,000. I said, you getting $600,000? He 
that's more than I'll make it there in, in, in eight years. And, and he said, you should have gone to law school. <laughs> so he owed you a check. No, he didn't. Right. That, uh, but he went from being on the street, putting on bumper stickers, to being in the boardroom, telling me how to get $300 million, and his law firm got $600,000. He went from being a street brother <laughs> to collecting a check in the boardroom. And, um, but had he not worked for your campaign, and I, had he I, not volunteered, and not shown his initiative, then he would not have been able to call from you. Yeah, that's right. So he put in the work and you put in the work. But in Atlanta, they never let me forget that I work for them. They don't work for me. And I think all of our mayors have done that. All right, sir. God bless you. Yes. No, I got, no, I had to work that, that alpha ring there. You know, I never got one of them. <laughs> I got it for myself, my 30th anniversary. But let me tell you something. I don't even have my fraternity pin. Because... Uh, that was, uh, again, Ambassador Andrew Young, uh, my alpha brother. We certainly had uh, some good time uh, there uh, talking to him. Uh, this was, of course, him outside of the polls uh, this morning. He was waiting on Pastor Raphael Warnock uh, to arrive uh, at the location uh, to, uh, for them to, to actually uh, vote together. Uh, and uh, this is the uh, video here. Uh, this is the video uh, of uh, Warnock uh, arriving on the scene, uh, arriving there uh, to greet uh, Ambassador Andrew Young uh, as they uh, were um, talking with others, uh, again, voting today. Today was the first day, the first day of early voting uh, in Georgia. They wanted to really uh, encourage folks uh, to come out and vote. There have been long lines all across um, uh, this uh, across the city, across the county, 159 counties uh, here in Georgia. Uh, and so uh, it was uh, it, it was really an amazing thing. Here you have, uh, as uh, Pastor Raphael Warnock has often seen on the campaign trail, here you have uh, a young man who grew up in public housing. Uh, you see the two of them uh, greeting each other. Uh, both of them, my fraternity brother, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, saying Fred is Dr. King. Uh, and uh, it was uh, an amazing thing. Uh, after uh, Pastor Warnock and uh, Ambassador Andrew Young voted, uh, then uh, Warnock held a news conference uh, where he talked uh, with the media uh, and addressed us. Did not take any questions, but he certainly wanted to speak on what it felt like on this day uh, to vote for himself in this runoff and then do so next to one of his heroes. Uh, here's what Warnock had to say. Morning. The line was all the way back at the end. And as I went right down the line, and most of the people were senior citizens like me, and I realized how long we've been on this march. And First of all, let me say that it is a very humbling thing for a kid who grew up in public housing 
to be able to cast a vote for himself to serve in the United States Senate. Only in America is my story even possible. And so I'm grateful for this moment, grateful for my father of a blessed memory, and I'm grateful for my mother who grew up in Waycross, Georgia, picking tobacco and cotton during the summers. And today she gets to help pick her son to be one of the next two United States senators from the great state of Georgia. So I just want to encourage everyone to exercise your constitutional right to vote. And as I've been saying all across this state, we should no longer be talking about election day. The stakes are too high. This is election season. And so early voting begins today. People should make their way to the polls. It's a beautiful day yes, sir. to vote. So make your way to the polls. Early voting today, December 14th through December 31st. We also remind people that they can vote by mail. It was a humbling thing to vote for myself today, but let me tell you more than a name, what's really on the ballot. Healthcare is on the ballot. A livable wage is on the ballot. Criminal justice reform is on the ballot. Voting rights. All of these issues are on the ballot. And so thank you so much. Make a plan to vote. Gather everybody in your circle. This is a defining moment in American history. Georgia is at the center of it. Let's show up the way Georgia does. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, let me let me just say I'm I'm deeply honored uh, to have Ambassador Young here. Um, He's the reason I'm able to stand here. Amen. He and those who fought alongside him. Our ballot is a bloodstained ballot. And so I want to thank him and all the others who fought alongside him. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful and deeply. Ambassador Young, uh, a little bit later in the show, we're going to uh, show you John Ossoff, of course, hitting the campaign trail as well. Folks, this weekend in D.C., the Trump people, as I've said, they have not been able to handle losing. Uh, and so they gathered in um, Washington, D.C., and the racist domestic terrorists, the Proud Boys, came and acted like the thugs that they are, uh, beating folks, terrorizing folks. But what really it's angered people is the tearing down of Black Lives Matter signs from two black churches, Asbury Methodist Church and Metropolitan AME Church as well. Uh, I'm, many people are asking, where were the cops? What was going on? Where were the federal authorities? We saw all this huge show of force and Black Lives Matter was out there protesting, but what about this? Well, Carl Racine is the Attorney General for the District of Columbia, uh, and uh, he joins us right now. Carl, glad to have you in Roller Martin Unfiltered. How you doing there, Rowan? Uh, very proud of your success and killing uh, this platform. Well, sir, I certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Um, what happened this weekend? I, I was it was shocking to see uh, these thugs just rampaging through the streets as if there were there were no cops around. 
uh, to stop what, what they were doing. Um, what, has any, has any, the D.C. police or the federal authorities uh, explain what, what in the world happened this weekend? Well, I, a, a lot happened this weekend. I think, first of all, the president of the United States executed on his plan, as he indicated during uh, the debate with President-elect Joe Biden. You remember the line, stand back, but stand by. Uh, he is now implementing that plan where he's asking the Proud Boys to no longer stand by. And as you correctly noted, they are a hate group, a white supremacist extremist group, uh, who are obviously trying to destabilize the core principles of equality of our country. With regard to what occurred in the District of Columbia, you had a group of honestly hate mongers out to create havoc and distraction. And once they distracted the Metropolitan Police Department enough, they went ahead, as I'm sure they planned, and sought to desecrate African-American churches. There is no coincidence that the AME Church over uh, right by 17th and Rhode Island was targeted. That church, of course, is the sister church to Mother Emanuel in Charleston, where just a few years ago, Dylan Roof executed a number of peaceful and loving parishioners. I'm happy to talk about the Metropolitan Police Department if you would allow me to, to take another a minute. Is that okay? Sure, sure, sure. Go ahead, go ahead. Let me just tell you what I know. And I know this because our lawyers at the Office of Attorney General uh, were following, literally, radio feeds going in and out from the police department uh, to certain law enforcement officials, including our own. The Metropolitan Police Department were literally deluged, minute by minute, with all manner of events. And overwhelmingly, and I'm going to speak very honestly because I don't mind being critical of the police when it is appropriate. Overwhelmingly, the Metropolitan Police Department successfully separated folks who were going to literally go after each other. And we saw stabbings and assaults, and the police were tending to those. They were not in position to protect the entirety of the city, and I'm not being defensive here. I know that if the Metropolitan Police Department could have known that those two churches were going to be targeted, I firmly believe they would have had the appropriate level of security there. I don't think there was any intention, uh, nor carelessness, recklessness, or grave neglect on the part of the police department. I think they were trying to do, honestly, the best job they could. And the hate mongers should be the story, not the Metropolitan Police Department, who tried the best they could. Are you and others analyzing the video? Are there any plans uh, to charge uh, these proud boys, these white domestic terrorists, uh, with any crimes? It's a fair and great question. Let me just say a couple of things about the Office of Attorney General of the District of Columbia. As you know, the District of Columbia is an unusual jurisdiction. We don't have the ability as D.C. local prosecutor to actually charge 
the kind of adult offenses that would be pursued against individuals and indeed the institution that is the Proud Boys. The prosecutor for those events are instead the federal prosecutor. And the federal prosecutor is appointed by the president of the United States. I know that the Metropolitan Police Department is investigating this matter. I wish I could be the prosecutor in my office who could bring these cases. Now's the time to put the pressure on the federal prosecutor to do its job to bring the hate crime cases against those people who violated the rights of the church and otherwise caused havoc in our streets. Uh, well, it, it certainly was certainly was shocking and stunning for a lot of people uh, to see what happened, to see um, what, what they did, uh, desecrating uh, those two black churches. Clearly, uh, they were targeted as well. Uh, and so we, we, you know, we certainly hope that the federal government would do what they're supposed to do. Well, you know, again, we're, what we're dealing with is, of course, uh, Donald Trump uh, and his minions as well. But uh, it, it, was, uh, it, it, it was pathetic to see, again, those individuals, uh, you, know, you know, bringing their hate down the street. And, and what really uh, just bugs me to death, white conservative evangelicals have been real quiet. They've said nothing about the attacks on these black people. They said zero, Roland. You're exactly right. The leader of the Proud Boys visited the White House. Get this right. A hate group leader visited the White House. And then, hours later, went about desecrating black churches. Roland, may I raise an issue with you tonight? Yeah, go ahead. There are reports that Attorney General Bill Barr just resigned. I think it's effective in some days or so shortly before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard of that? Yeah, December twenty-third. He, he, yeah, yeah. He has resigned effective December twenty-third. I am deeply concerned, Roland, as I sit here tonight, about Bill Barr's resignation. Bill Barr has done Donald Trump's bidding since he came into office as attorney general. In a way, Bill Barr was like an accomplice, maybe a driver who's involved in wrongdoing. The fact that he is leaving the car right now tells me that maybe Mr. Barr, who's done the bidding of Donald Trump, doesn't want to do the bidding of what is planned next. I believe that this is a five alarm fire for all of us to listen to and that we need every respected leader, spiritual, religious, political, business and military to tell Donald Trump to cease and desist his undemocratic and dangerous actions. We need General Mattis, perhaps one of the most respected individuals in our country, to come out now and urge the military to not participate in any way in whatever Donald Trump has planned. Thank you, Roland. 
Carl Racine, Attorney General for District of Columbia. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Now I want to go to uh, our panel here. Joining us uh, on today's panel is Julian, Mal Julian Malveaux, economist, president emerita at Bennett College, uh, Teresa Lundy, principal founder, TML Communications, Joseph Williams, senior editor at U.S. News and World Report. Uh, it was uh, certainly um, something to behold, uh, Julian, to see those uh, white domestic terrorists uh, rampaging uh, down the street, beating people, harassing people, uh, and, and to see what they did to the, to the Black Lives Matter signs uh, at, um, at Asbury Methodist as well as, um, as, well as Metropolitan AME. You know, Metropolitan AME Church is my church. It's where I worship, unfortunately, now online. But, you know, I joined about four years ago. I adore my pastor who has much more equanimity than I do about this. This nonsense, Roland, is ridiculous. How do you put yourself onto church property, trespass, trespasses, tear signs down, burn them? This does remind us, as the pastor at Ashburn said, it reminds us of, of cross burning. It was just so totally ridiculous. The white looking for a fight. Because Hate had been there all along. Hate could go back to enslavement. This hate that he unleashed. And I must tell you, Roland, that I am sickened by what had happened on Saturday evening and over the weekend. I want to go to Joseph Williams. Joseph, uh, again, uh, to see what happened. Uh, I would think that federal authorities should be examining those videos uh, and, again, uh, using artificial intelligence uh, to find out who those folks were and to prosecute them to the fullest extent of the law. Well, and the local news has said that they're doing just that, that they're examining a lot of uh, the videos that were taken, a lot of videos that have shown up on news networks of exactly what was happening. I mean, the, 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 the cross-burning analogy is spot on, but even that seems too mild because they went after a church, which is sacred ground, which is uh, trespassing to the nth degree. But there are two things that really concern me um, uh, about what I just heard with your interview with Carl Racine. The first is uh, he mentioned that the Metropolitan Police Department didn't necessarily uh, have the manpower uh, to track these groups or didn't uh, have the, 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 the ability to track all the scatter shot violence that was going on. Um, that concerned me a little bit, number one, because back when the George Floyd protests were happening, they had choppers in the air, they had mm -hmm. extra manpower on the ground, they had all kinds of things going on to, to make sure that they surveilled these people and that they knew where they were going ahead of time. Uh, that's concern number one. Concern number two is I, I, his, his comment about Bill Barr is just resonating in my head, and I'm like, holy mackerel, if this guy is saying that he's ringing the alarm bell about the departure of Trump's number one ally, there must be something incredibly mind-blowing about the fact that this man, presumably who has at least a little bit more information and more context than we do, that there's something afoot, and that is not good. Roland, I know I'm speaking out of turn, but here, let me just say one more uh, thing. Uh, uh, what, Mayor, what, what, Mayor Bowser, like I said, I know I'm speaking out of turn, but let me just say this. Mayor Bowser has been ahead of the game up until now. 
Now she's behind the game. She could have put troops out there, police out there. Peter Newsom has resigned his position. He's going to some small district with a $40,000 pay cut so he could get away from all of us, quite frankly. And, but the mayor should have, she's been doing a good job with COVID, but this is where she has dropped the ball and we just need, need to make it clear. She's a sister, she all that, but this is on her watch. Teresa, um, this is not going to be the last time we see this. I mean, folks had, folks had better be prepared because Trump and his minions, especially these Proud Boys, these thugs are so angry that he lost and Trump is stoking them uh, in not even, not even in a light way. They cannot, and we, we, we better be real careful between now and inauguration, they simply cannot accept the fact that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris beat Donald Trump. And groups like this, these radical, um, you know, right wing, almost conservatives, almost, you know, just those groups that just choose not to believe in democracy and the way things work. So these are the people who are, I like to call the forgotten ones, those who, you know, feel like they've been empowered by, you know, a leader that, you know, maybe strokes their ego or strokes some sort of, um, you know, some, some radical play that allows them to feel good about themselves, which is so interesting because some of these people are working directly in the institutions that we seek to change. So, no, they're not going to be happy with what's going to happen when Kamala Harris and Joe Biden gets in. I think it is very interesting. Dr. Julianne brings up a great point that the mayor of D.C., phenomenal woman, but she did drop the ball. There were things that she could have done, but you know what? We're not in that administration, so we do not know if she did try and, you know, something else happened. But I do believe if we're going to spread Black Lives Matter in yellow across the streets of D D Washington, D.C., we should have a better understanding of the ones who are taking part in this rally, but also some 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 pro uh, defense mechanisms that could have happened in order for some of those issues not to uh, take place. Well, we're certainly going to be monitoring this, and uh, we hope to see. Uh, ho we certainly hope to see uh, charges uh, level against these individuals uh, for their actions. I did reach out to the pastor of. Metropolitan AME to see if he can join us. Uh, he was unable to do so tonight, uh, but we certainly uh, uh, they have a standing invitation. Uh, the pastor Lamar does to come on here uh, at any time. Folks, I told you we were out early today, uh, really all over uh, Georgia the last uh, several days, uh, focusing on the runoff here. And then uh, I'm going to show a little video from my iPad. This is some drone footage of John Ossoff. We had he had a uh, march of the polls in Gwinnett County. Uh, meeting with some of the people, uh, of course, who are supporting him. And uh, again, he is running against a Senator David Perdue, running in tandem with uh, Pastor uh, Raphael Warnock. And so after, after, of course, uh, they, uh, they, after they had, they had a, a, of course, he spoke to the supporters there. And then after uh, they actually uh, did this particular march, he uh, took some questions for some of us. And here is John Ossoff. John, you've been traveling the state uh, bus tour. Uh, give us a sense of uh, rural Georgia, how they've been responding, uh, and your thoughts about uh, how critical that turnout is going to be. We've been focused on having a presence and being visible and being accessible and holding events in rural Georgia. And look, the needs of people across the state are the same. Health, jobs, and justice. 
people, you know, two million Georgians don't have health insurance. Two million Georgians. And many of those who are insured are underinsured. And many of those who are insured live hours from a clinic or a hospital. We've lost nine rural hospitals in 10 years in Georgia. Doesn't have to be that way. Where's our senator been while these hospitals have closed? We need to rush resources to build clinics and hospitals across our state to make sure that every family in Georgia can access the health care they need. We need to invest in rural infrastructure, rural broadband, upgrading public school facilities, transit and transportation links to connect our farming communities with world markets and create jobs and economic revitalization in rural Georgia. And we need to pass a new Civil Rights Act to secure equal justice for all regardless of race and regardless of class. And that's why it's so important to vote this week. How do you respond to Newt Gingrich saying that the Republican Secretary of State uh, is making it harder for Republicans to win? I thought the Secretary of State works for all citizens in Georgia, whether they're Democrat or Republican. Newt Gingrich is upset that Secretary Raffensperger is not abusing his authority to disenfranchise people. Newt Gingrich wants the apparatus of voter suppression that's been built in Georgia since the Shelby County v. Holder decision in 2013 to suppress black voters in this state and win elections through voter suppression. They thought that the apparatus of voter suppression would keep the lid on the pot, but the will of the people is boiling over. People want health, jobs, and justice. Okay. Again, folks, uh, runoff, of, of course, voting began today, a uh, little bit later in the show. We'll show you uh, just a little bit of the video uh, we shot uh, at the uh, rally that took place, the uh, drive-in rally, social distance rally, with John Ossoff and Pastor Raphael Warnock in the parking lot of Turner Field. Tomorrow, uh, President Joe Biden will be here, uh, and we'll be, of course, he'll be here for a rally with Ossoff and Warnock, and we'll be live streaming that rally uh, right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Folks, let's go to Texas. Uh, where there's a, uh, a, a, a shocking story uh, of a young man, Joshua Feast. Shooting took place in Lamarck, Texas. Uh, he was uh, shot by law enforcement on December 9th. Now, protesters have taken to the streets uh, to demand the firing of Lamarck police officer, uh, excuse me, Lamarck police chief, Kirk Jackson, and officer Jose Santos. According to investigators, uh, Feast was a person of interest in an ongoing investigation of recent shootings in Lamarck. On December 9th, officers say they saw Feast sitting in his car. He then exited his vehicle and started running across the street. That's when officers opened fire on the 22-year-old. He was taken to a lo local hospital uh, and died. Joining me right now is attorney Ben Crump, the attorney for uh, the Feast family. Um, attorney Crump, uh, have they released any of the body cam footage? Have they released anything for the public to see exactly what took place. We know, based upon the existing reports, that Feast was running away from officers. So why did they fire? Uh, one second, one second, Ben Crump. Uh, so your audio is breaking up. We can't hear you at all. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to call you uh, on to, on audio, either FaceTime audio or Skype audio. Uh, and so we'll forego the video, but we want to be able to hear exactly what you have to say. So, folks, if y'all can go ahead and do that, 
uh, but it's but it's breaking up badly. We can't understand what Ben is saying. So y'all let me know when we have ben, just Ben's audio. Uh, just Ben's audio. As I said, folks, uh, this case has stirred up a hornet's nest there in Lamarck, Texas. Lamarck sits between Houston and Galveston. Uh, uh, and, and, and it is, uh, it, it is, it is a shocking story, but it's, it's, it's a common story. Again, where police uh, shoot an African-American running away. Now, officers always talk about firing. The law says if their lives are in danger, but someone running away, your life is not in danger if they're running away. Feast is dead. Feast is dead and his family, they are demanding answers. They are grieving. Uh, his particular loss as well. And so they want the city of Lamarck uh, to, to, to provide some answers and even asking, why is the police chief? Why is this officer uh, still uh, on the force? Why do they still have their job? This is the kind of thing, Joseph Williams, that we continue to see across this country. Uh, and it's officers, bottom line is, you're black, shoot first, ask questions. Uh, so we have been. Uh, actually, before I go, before I go to Joseph, before I go to Joseph, let me go back. So, so, so we have Ben Crump. Uh, ben, go ahead uh, with your comment. Go ahead. Yeah, Roland, it's uh, shocking why this young black man who was running away from the police, who several witnesses saw was running away, was shot in his back and killed by Officer Jose Santos. And what's equally shocking, Roland, is in 2013 in Gaveston, Texas. There is a video of Officer Santos and his co-workers, uh, his colleagues, three of them, beating this black man unmercifully uh, while he's in the putting his head underwater, kicking him, stomping him, punching him. And from 2013, he resigned, was not terminated, was not stripped of his badge and gun of ever being an officer again. And so when they condoned this rolling, it was foreseeable that this guy was going to continue to uh, engage in brutality against black people. And that's exactly why Joshua Feast is dead today. Uh, and in fact, uh, you are the, the video that you are, are talking about. Uh, I'm actually uh, playing that video right now from my iPad. Uh, folks, this this is the video. You exactly what you're talking about uh, when the officers uh, beat him. Uh, what has the city of Lamarck said? Have city officials said anything? Uh, have they seen the body cam footage? Was there body cam footage? Was there dash cam footage of the shooting of Joshua Feast? There is apparently body cam footage. The city has seen it. Attorney Monique Presley and I are demanding that they release that body cam footage. But, Roland, there were eyewitnesses, and apparently after he shot Joshua, while Joshua was on the ground, he walked over to him and kicked him and told him to get up. And so it's just uh, uh, further evidence that this guy is not fit, does not have the temperament, does not have the professionalism to be a police officer. So we're demanding he be terminated immediately and that these body cam videos be uh, shown to make sure that he is arrested for cold-blooded murder uh, yet again, another black man. Roland, it's 94 black people that have been killed by police in America since George Floyd died on May 25th, 2020. 
That is indeed sad. Uh, ben Crump certainly keep us up to date on this case in my native Texas, uh, and we certainly look forward to having you back. Thank you so much, Roland. All right, folks. Uh, Got to go to commercial break. When we come back, uh, we will uh, t- we'll talk more with our panel about uh, the runoffs in Georgia. Also, Joe Biden, Electoral College, it's official. President-elect of the United States, maggot. I call them maggots. The, uh, the, the Trump maggotites, they are still not happy. Y'all, your boy lost. Suck it up. We'll talk about that with our panel as well. And the bottom of the hour, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, the president-elect and the vice president-elect, will speak to the nation and we'll carry it live right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Back in a moment. I think what still impacts and what creates change is when we mobilize. When we say we're not powerless, and if I get with you and you and you, and all of a sudden it's 10 to 20 to 100 and 500 and 2,000 and 5,000, all of a sudden you have mobilized people, that creates that voting power. And then when you throw somebody out, it catches their attention real quick. But not only just that, they have to know what it is that they're standing for. Because if you have friends that talks politics, then of course we're having a decent conversation and I'm being educated at the same time. But if my group of people are not talking about that, then I still don't know. So I can unite with you and then I'm, I'm, I'm making sure that you have the voice, but what if you don't have the courage to speak? So you're still getting a group of people together that don't know how to do nothing. The Lincoln Project is responsible for the content of this advertising. Before we knew about COVID-19, Kelly Leffler and David Perdue received classified briefings about the virus. And what did they do next? They downplayed the risks, then invested in body bags. Ten months later, over 10,000 Georgians dead. Kelly Leffler and David Perdue dead wrong. There's an easy way to save lives and keep Americans safe. It's not politics, it's science. So do your part to protect your fellow citizens and help slow the spread. For your family. For your neighbors. For your country. Wear a mask. Well, y'all, Donald Trump has lost again. Today, the Electoral College met uh, in state capitals all across the country, and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have received the 306 Electoral College votes that they've won by winning a variety of states across the country. It is one of the biggest margins uh, of someone defeating an incumbent president. Trump world is not happy. They still are contesting the election. It does not matter. Now they have this last-ditch effort trying to ask the House of Representatives uh, to cast aside the votes of millions of people. This, this, this is pretty much of a joke, Joseph. Uh, it, it really is. But also, it is a grave threat to democracy when you see what Republicans are doing, not just 126 House members, not just 
these 18 Republican attorney generals, but also uh, these Republicans in the Senate, people who've known Joe Biden and Kamala Harris for a very long time, who, who are so afraid of Donald Trump, they won't even own up to Biden and Harris winning. Well, this is the kind of dysfunction that happens in third world countries, people that don't have an established system of democracy. The problem here, however, is the fact that uh, Republicans love power and they're craving it. And the only person who they think has it or has access to it is Donald Trump. Now, I wonder what's going to happen when he finally leaves office and whether or not this kind of thing goes away. I kind of tend to think it's not going to go away. And where does that leave us? It leaves us in basically a party or rather a country with one functional party and another party that's looking to undermine democracy. So it's clear, it's been clear since, you know, three weeks after the election that uh, Joe Biden was the, was the winner and that Donald Trump had no clear path to declaring victory, but he figured that he was gonna try to make mischief anyway, and it's going to pay off. And to me, there's kind of a through line here between what we saw in DC this weekend with the Proud Boys, what we see in Texas, and the fact that uh, the Republican Party has remained silent on all of it. Uh, so I don't think that it's, it's any uh, mystery why these people showed up in Washington, why more people may show up in Washington to contest an election that's been over for almost a month and a half now. Teresa, you even have these idiots uh, like Alan West, who now is chair of the Texas Republican Party, saying that people like Texas should secede from the United States. First of all, the red states, y'all, you can't succeed because you're broke. Most of the red states get some more money from the federal government and they actually generate themselves. So y'all can't afford it. So shut up. At all. I mean, it's a disgrace on so many levels. I mean, democracy is hanging in the balance here because we are seeing, you know, Republicans really try to find themselves in uh, a president that literally has only his self in mind. Right. And so it's literally like they're like placing all their bets onto Donald Trump. And when he leaves, they know for sure that their seats are going to be at the balance of seats. And that means all of their, you know, back and forth, all of their non-agreeing, all their, you know, denying a presidency, the, 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 defying the Constitution of which they say they live by is all going to go by the wayside. And so it's a very important time right now is a very important time in history. Another reason why I'm wearing this American flag, because history is taking place with these runoff races, but it's also showing us where our country needs to go and the type of leadership that needs to be put in to place so we stop electing these traditional politicians that do not have the people in mind, but they have self that is at the forefront of this discussion. But the thing here, Julian, that why we this is not a laughing matter. The Wisconsin Supreme Court today ruled against the Trump lawsuit regarding the election. It was a four to three vote. It wasn't seven to zero. Three Republicans, Wisconsin State Supreme Court justices, agreed with the Trump people. I think that's something that we, we cannot overlook, that these folks are such partisan hacks, they will ignore the law to advance their interests. Get more than 100 members, Republican members of Congress, tied on to the Texas um, lawsuit. That's how you get a four to three vote in Wisconsin. The fact that Joseph said 
these people love power more than they love democracy. Uh, the blessing at the moment is that the Supreme Court, even with its three Trump appointees, has not yet been swayed by this nonsense. But the fact is that these folks will do anything to say uh, Julian, sorry, Julian, Julian, your video, Julian, your videos, your video is breaking up real bad. We're gonna try to get that fixed. Um, the, the, the thing here, the thing here, and, and again, in a moment, um, Vice, excuse me, President-elect Joe Biden, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, they're going to address the nation at the bottom of the hour. We'll carry it live. But what these people, Joseph, want to do, what, they, what they're trying to do is very dangerous because the reality is they hold power. They are in control of state legislatures. These attorneys generals, what they did, flout the law. And in fact, the Trump folks, they have been able to go to court numerous times, have not been able to present any, any credible evidence of voter fraud. It's what they assert outside of the courtroom, but they know you go in that courtroom and you lie, you can, lo you can, lo you can lose your law license, and none of Trump's lawyers will do that. Well, and that's the problem, I think. Somebody needs to pay a penalty for this, uh, for bringing a frivolous lawsuit that could threaten uh, and undermine democracy. Uh, but there, there's also another important point here. I mean, you talked about the Wisconsin uh, judiciary saying that they were not going to accept Trump's uh, lawsuit and that they turned it down. It was not unanimous, right? And that, to me, reminds me of the fact that they've been salting these judges in the federal bench all four years of Donald Trump's term. Now, it didn't necessarily pay off in the Supreme Court this time around, but certainly the feeder courts that, that lead judges to get to the Supreme Court are all filled with Trump appointees, and some of them are not qualified to hold the office. It's not just me saying it, it's the American Bar Association, and it's repeated that they have had people who have ascended to the federal bench who are not qualified to do so. They do that for a reason. They're looking for hacks, and those hacks are established. And not only are they established, but they will have some influence for some time to come. Now, that's what worries me about the whole uh, Wisconsin thing is that, yeah, we had, uh, there were four, it was a 4-3 vote. Three people got defeated by four. But what happens when it comes the other way around? And what happens when some of those people who aren't qualified to hold uh, a judicial uh, office, what happens when they do get some of these courts? And also further than that, what happens with the Republican leadership that just says nothing about all of this? that is willing to say, okay, let's let him have his temper tantrum, even though that temper tantrum gradually chips away again and again at the foundation of democracy. And, and the last thing I'll say about that is that you have these people who are threatened to succeed, fine. The South did it 150, 160 years ago, didn't work out so well in the long run. Uh, these people, um, um, they have no principles. Uh, they have no courage. Uh, they have no integrity. Um, I don't want to hear that law and order crap, Teresa. I don't want to hear it. I, I, I don't want to hear all the founding fathers and we're here to uphold it. No. What they have tried to do is to subvert the U.S. Constitution. They have committed treasonous acts and we have to call it what it is. 
And that's why I believe the only power that Trump really has is the power of the pardon. And so I think everybody right now, those who are um, a- actively uh, willing his bidding, is ensuring that they are on that forever pardon list because they, they're not sure what that outcome is going to look like. So protecting themselves and their assets is pretty much the only agenda and the only card that Trump seemingly has to play in this lost election. So um, it looks like, it, it you know, it, they're really taking it down to the last end. And it's, but it's really unfortunate because the characters of each of these justices of whom those uh, they've been appointed and elected, you know, when we say, you know, the elections of judicials matter, they absolutely matter. And it's coming, you know, to the front end of the stage early. So when those appointments were happening and when people were bidding for certain positions and, yes, we were talking about other issues that were happening at the Supreme Court, but we really needed to pay attention to those appointments because these are the type of people that we're getting and the results are going to be treacherous in the long run. But see, I also wonder, I mean, if I can hey, Juliana, I, also, I also wonder how, you, how are you going to get the genie back into the bottle, right? I mean, we already have a lot of this stuff that's playing out in public. we got these unqualified judges that are going to be for, there for a lifetime. We have a Republican Party that has all but pledged fealty to Donald Trump. And we have a QAnon member, like somebody who actually believes that there is this vast global conspiracy out there and that Donald Trump is the only one that's keeping the world from chaos, right? She is now going to Congress. She is going to be a confirmed congresswoman. How do you get the genie back in the bottle? How do you get sanity back in the Republican Party when they're so willing to do insane things just to maintain power? And what is that going to do to the fabric of the country that we've got one party that just has no grounding in reality and the people who may have some tenuous grounding in reality still don't want to say anything because they're afraid of pissing off their voters and losing their safe seat? What happens now? Where do we go from here, I wonder? That's a, yeah, I would probably. Well, I think where we go is there is, let's just be real clear. There is no such thing as Trump's base in the Repo- Republican Party and the Republican Party. Those two things the same thing. are one. There are, no, there, there are no distinctions. The Republican Party as a party has embraced the crazy. They have embraced it for 126 House members to do what they did to side with that ridiculous lawsuit out of Texas from Attorney General Ken Paxton. It's enough said. It's enough said. This is the Republican Party. They are who we thought they were. Hmm. Well, and I yeah. remember the day that the day after oh, Trump got me. elected. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Teresa. Uh, well, yeah. uh, one, one, one second. Teresa, then Joseph. Yeah, so I mean, part of it is, yes, when when Trump was elected, it was so cavalier. It was, um, you know, very nonchalant. He was surprised when he won. But again, harnessing on the emotions of those of the forgotten, right? And I I think we bring it back to the Democratic Party and the DNC more than often and in so many ways and so many times where we're telling them that these voices need to be at the table as well because you're wondering why you're missing votes, you're missing support. And then wonder why you have to spend more money to galvanize support of what you should have had in the beginning, because that education of the process needed to be instituted early on and year round with candidates that, you know, are like Warnock or uh, John uh, Ossoff or Stacey Abrams. 
not later in the game when there's an issue and there's a crisis that needs to be handled, but somewhere in the middle mm -hmm. of that rebuilding structure where leadership is actually taking place. So, you know, Joseph asks where we go from here, and I think as we go back at the top, when it comes to restructuring what those measures of uh, applicants and, and the constant communication, not just election season, but what does that look like across every front? Well, that's Julian, thing, I mean, these folks are not going anywhere. Hold, 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 hold. I'm, I'm sorry, Joseph, go ahead. Joseph, go ahead, then go, Julian. Joseph, go ahead. Well, you're absolutely right. They're not going anywhere, and that is the concern. What happens now? What does the Democratic Party do now? It's clearly not an argument about economic anxiety. That's out the window. We have hundreds of people in downtown Washington beating people up, tearing down Black Lives Matter posters. We've got them marching to the beat of the president. What happens? How can you convert? How can you c controvert that? How can how does that remain in a viable democracy? Julian, they're not going anywhere. And I, I have been telling people since 2009, I said we 2000. I, I am. I mean, I've, I've signed a book deal with Ben Bella, an independent company out of Dallas uh, to publish this book. It will, it will publish in um, uh, uh, first quarter 2022. It's called white fear. I said we're living in the age of white minority resistance. That was 11 years ago. And all we've seen in the last 11 years are these white folks losing their mind. And I'm telling you, they cannot handle losing. They cannot handle not being in the majority. They cannot handle having to share power. And so those of us who believe in freedom and equality had better gird ourselves for a battle, not over the next year, two years, three years, four oh, years. No, no. Right. we're about to see the next 30, 40, 50 years. Yes. It's a multi-decade struggle, Roland, just as the post-Reconstruction era was a multi-decade struggle, just like the Civil Rights era is a multi-decade struggle. These white folks are angry. They're seeing their power shift beneath their feet. Every minute, you've seen people, white people write about it, you know, white rage. Uh, we've seen, you know, black people write about it. But the reality is that the numbers, you can't lie with numbers. By 2050, our nation will be majority minority, period. Get over it, y'all. That's what's going to be. You have people who say they have diversity fatigue. Well, you know what? You can have diversity fatigue just like you have sunrise fatigue. But see, sun go up, sun come down, sun go up, sun come <laughs> down. You tired of it? Oh, well, take a rest because it's going to keep happening. And that's what's happening now. We're seeing it in any number of ways. And we see it with the resistance. Just um, last week, there was a motion on the Senate floor to create a national museum uh, on the history of the Latino. Mike Lee... Uh, senator from Utah scratched it. He said it was divisive to talk about the history of Latino. Hell, excuse my language, but hell, we took Mexico and turned it into California. Mexico and turned it into Texas. And then this dude does not want to talk about the history of Latino. So no, these people are hot monkey mad, but they've been mad, quite frankly, Roland, since the end of enslavement. And they put every block that they could out there. And just all of a sudden now, we're getting the numbers to say, oh no, y'all, this ain't happening. Mm -hmm. 
had the Obama presidency. You were absolutely yep. right when you called that at nine. We had ap- the Obama presidency ticked them off badly enough that they bit back against Hillary and uh, went for the orange right. boy. And uh, now you have mild-mannered Biden, who is a transitional figure, uh, who many people voted for because he is a transitional figure, but he has at least, I'm not thrilled with his cabinet picks, but he has at least talked the diversity walk. And that is making a whole lot of white people a whole lot of bad. Yep, absolutely. Gotta go to break. We come back. Uh, President-elect Joe Biden will speak to the nation after today's Electoral College vote. That is next on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Trump can show up and say anything, and they can just go, oh, yeah. The African-American community was great to us. They didn't vote. You know, he just called you stupid. Did you hear that? Oh, 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 but he's for us. Really? And they were just regurgitating the things that they had heard on a radio or in the barbershop or something somebody had told them. They hadn't thought about it. Democracy is uh, in danger because people don't know how to think. I'm done with trying to convince people to try to vote for their, you know, for their for their life. You have to run for your life. I'm gonna go try to get people who are open to it and, and, and lead them. I'm done with hope. Fuck hope, fight. There's a lot of stuff to do this time of year. Get the tree. Done. Hang the lights. Not yet. Wrap presents. Check. But this year, there's one extra thing to do. Vote. That's right, early voting starts December 14th, so make voting part of your holiday plans. It'll probably take you less time than it'll take me to do this. I'm Raphael Warnock, and I approve this message. My opponent, radical liberal Raphael Warnock. I memorized everything they told me to say. Radical liberal Raphael Warnock. I just married a really rich guy. Radical liberal Raphael Warnock. My husband bought my Senate seat. Radical liberal Raphael Warnock. Radical liberal Raphael Warnock. I am consumed with self-hate. Radical liberal Raphael Warnock. I don't belong here. I'm not a senator. Nancy. Radical liberal Raphael Warnock. Where is my husband? I need help. Radical liberal Raphael Warnock. All the players on the WNBA team I own hate me. I'm not a real person. I'm a robot. I am a robot. I am a robot. Sure do need to vote now. Touch your neighbor's and neighbor. Your vote is your voice. And I want you to remember this. Our parents did more with less than we do today. With less, they beat slavery. With less, they beat Jim Crow. With less, they beat lynching. With less, they beat the KKK. With less, they won women's suffrage. With less, Harriet Tubman got 500 slaves out of slavery. She didn't have email. She didn't have text. She didn't have Facebook. She didn't have Instagram. She didn't have Twitter. She didn't have a car all she had was faith in God and a 38 pistol on the side and moss on the north side of the tree and a north star in the middle of the night she did more with less and we must do more I pay, I pay, I pay, I pay. if your vote didn't matter you wouldn't have so many people trying so hard to stop you from voting there is some value there 
But even when you talk about that people are not paying attention to your issues, I can't pay attention to your issues if I don't even know you there. And the only reason people are going to know you there is when you show up to the polls and vote. That's when that power manifests itself. But as long as you stay at home, as long as you're making excuses, then guess what? You will always experience these issues that we're experiencing today. And another thing, don't get caught up in the candidates. Right. There's, there's there's no such thing as a perfect candidate, but you should be going to vote for the most important person. And that is you and the one you love. You talk about you, you'll you fight for the one you love. You're willing to die for the one you love. You need to ask yourself, are you willing to vote for the one you love? Because if you don't, there's going to be somebody's neck on yours pretty soon. Let's welcome back to Roller Martin Unfiltered, Vice President um, uh, Joe Biden. Uh, he, of course, uh, is um, uh, about to address uh, the nation, and so we're going to actually uh, go uh, in a second uh, live to that. So let me just go ahead and get that, uh, get that set up. Of course, uh, the Electoral College made their decision today, uh, and uh, again, he is indeed the president. All right, so let's go ahead and go to Joe Biden's speech. Go ahead. College tally, a landslide. By his own standards... These numbers represented a clear victory then, and I respectfully suggest they do so now. If anyone didn't know before, they know now. What beats deep in the hearts of the American people is this, democracy. The right to be heard, to have your vote counted, to choose leaders of this nation, to govern ourselves. In America, politicians don't take power. People grant power to them. The flame of democracy was lit in this nation a long time ago. And we now know nothing, not even a pandemic or an abuse of power, can extinguish that flame. And as the people kept it aflame, so too did courageous state and local officials and election workers. American democracy works because America makes it work at a local level. One of the extraordinary things we saw this year was that everyday Americans, our friends and our neighbors, independence, demonstrating average, they showed a deep and unwavering faith in and a commitment to the law. They did their duty in the face of a pandemic. And then they could not and would not give credence to what they knew was not true. They knew this election was overseen, was overseen by them. It was honest, it was free, and it was fair. They saw it with their own eyes, and they wouldn't be bullied into saying anything different. It was truly remarkable, because so many of these patriotic Americans are subject to so much, enormous political pressure, verbal abuse, and even threats of physical violence. Well, we all wish that our fellow Americans in these positions will always show such courage and commitment to free and fair elections. It is my sincere hope we never again see anyone subjected to the kind of threats and abuse we saw in this election. It's simply unconscionable. We owe these public servants a debt of gratitude. They didn't seek the spotlight. You know, and our democracy survived because of them, which is proof once more that it's everyday Americans infused with honor, character, and decency that is the heart of this nation. 
You know, in this election, their integrity was matched by their strength, independence, and the integrity of our judicial system. In America, when questions are raised about the legitimacy of any election, those questions are resolved through the legal processes. And that's precisely what happened here. The Trump campaign brought, brought dozens and dozens and dozens of legal challenges to test the result. They were heard again and again. And each of the times they were heard, they were found to be without merit. Time and again, President Trump's lawyers presented arguments to state officials, state legislatures, state and federal courts, and ultimately to the United States Supreme Court twice. They were heard by more than 80 judges across this country. And in every case, no cause or evidence was found to reverse or question or dispute <clears throat> the results. A few states went for recounts. All the counts were confirmed. The results in Georgia were counted three times. Didn't change the outcome. The recount conducted in Wisconsin actually saw our margin grow. The margin we had in Michigan was 14 times the margin President Trump won that state by four years ago. Our margin in Pennsylvania was nearly twice the size of the Trump margin four years ago. <clears throat> and yet, none of this has stopped baseless claims about the legitimacy of the results. Even more stunning, 17 Republican attorneys general and 126 Republican members of the, members of the Congress Actually, they actually signed on to a lawsuit filed by the state of Texas. That lawsuit asked the United States Supreme Court to reject the certified vote counts in Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. This legal maneuver was an effort by elected officials and one group of states to try to get the Supreme Court to wipe out the votes of more than 20 million Americans in other states and to hand the presidency to a candidate who lost the Electoral College, lost the popular vote, and lost each and every one of the states whose votes they were trying to reverse. It's a position so extreme, we've never seen it before. A position that refused to respect the will of the people, refused to respect the rule of law, and refused to honor our Constitution. Thankfully, a unanimous Supreme Court immediately and completely rejected this effort. The court sent a clear signal to President Trump that they would be no part of an unprecedented assault on our democracy. Every single avenue was made available to President Trump to contest the results. He took full advantage of each and every one of those avenues. President Trump was denied no course of action he wanted to take. He took his case to Republican governors and Republican Secretary of State, as he criticized many of them, to Republican state legislatures, to Republican-appointed judges at every level. And in a case decided after the Supreme Court's latest rejection, a judge appointed by President Trump wrote, quote, this court has allowed the plaintiff the chance to make his case, and he has lost on the merits, end of quote, lost on the merits. Even President Trump's own cybersecurity chief overseeing our elections, said it was the most secure election in American history, and summarily was let go. Let me say it again. His own cybersecurity chief, overseeing this election, said it was the most secure in American history.
You know, respecting the will of the people is at the heart of our democracy. Even when we find those results hard to accept. But that's the obligation of those who have taken on a sworn duty to uphold the Constitution. Four years ago, when I was a sitting vice president of the United States, it was my responsibility to announce the tally of the Electoral College votes in the joint session of Congress that voted to elect Donald Trump. I did my job. And I'm pleased, but not surprised, by the number of my former Republican colleagues in the Senate who have acknowledged already the results of the Electoral College. I thank them, and I'm convinced we can work together for the good of the nation on many subjects. That's the duty owed to the people, to our Constitution, to our history. You know, in this battle for the soul of America, democracy prevailed. We, the people, voted. Faith in our institutions held. The integrity of our elections remains intact. And now it's time to turn the page, as we've done throughout our history, to unite, to heal. As I said in this campaign, I will be president for all Americans. I'll work just as hard for those of you who didn't vote for me as I will for those who did. There's urgent work in front of us. Getting this pandemic under control and getting the nation vaccinated against this virus. Delivering immediate economic help so badly needed by so many Americans who are hurting today. And then building our economy back better than it ever was. In doing so, we need to work together to give each other a chance to lower the temperature. And most of all, we need to stand in solidarity as fellow Americans to see each other, our pains, our struggles, our hopes, and our dreams. We're a great nation. We're good people. We may come from different places, hold different beliefs, but we share in common a love for this country, a belief in its limitless possibilities. For we, the United States of America, has always set the example for the world for a peaceful transition of power. We'll do so again. I know the task before us won't be easy. It's tempered by the pain so many of us are feeling. Today, our nation passed a grim milestone. 300,000 deaths to do this COVID virus. My heart goes out to each of you in this dark winter of the pandemic. About to spend the holidays and the new year with a black hole in your hearts without the ones you loved at your side. My heart goes out to all of you who have fallen on hard times through no fault of your own, unable to sleep at night, staring at the ceiling, and weighed down by the worry of what tomorrow will bring for you and equally important for your family. But we've faced difficult times before in our history. I know we'll get through this one, but together, that's how we get through it together. So as we start the hard work to be done, may this moment give us the strength to rebuild this house of ours upon a rock that can never be washed away. As in the prayer of St. Francis, for where there is discord, union, where there is doubt, faith, where there is darkness, light. This is who we are as a nation. This is the America we love. And that is the America we're going to be. So thank you all. May God bless you.
And may God protect our troops and all those who stand watch over our democracy. Thank you. Folks, that was, folks, that was President-elect Joe Biden speaking from Wilmington, Delaware, where after today in Electoral College uh, met in state capitals across the country and where he received 306 Electoral College votes. Man, uh, Teresa, what it's like to have a president give a speech that's presidential. <laughs> Refreshing, invigorating, all the adjectives that is necessary for our leadership in this country in order to move forward. I mean, you know, he talked about the soul of the nation. He talked about his plan of moving forward. It was very clear, concise, and on point. And this is the time that we need it. We are moving into another phase in this country where we are talking about fixing the problems that we've all had to endure in the last uh, three years, four years, really, um, since Donald Trump was elected, but also identifying some of those fears and some of those issues and also providing solutions. And that's why I think Joe Biden and Kamala Harris comes into play where leadership, if we didn't notice it before, this is the time we're really going to notice it. So it was just very refreshing just to see a president that is willing and able to articulate what it is he's going to do and how he's going to scale back the unnecessariness of um, the Trump administration. Julian, you heard uh, uh, President-elect Joe Biden talk about surpassing 300,000 COVID-19 deaths in the United States. Uh, also, uh, the, uh, Pfizer, um, uh, the Pfizer uh, vaccine uh, rolled out from uh, various places on yesterday. We've seen folks uh, being administered uh, the, uh, this particular vaccine. I mean, it, 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 it shows you again um, just, just, just the stark difference in listening to Trump and his minions and listening to professional, qualified, smart, dignified, sobering voices. And I think come January 20th, you're going to see a completely different governmental reaction than the absolute shit show we've seen uh, since uh, January in this country. You know, Joe Biden comes to the table calm, moderate. Um, there, there are no antics in his toolbox. We have been, had four years worth of antics. We've had tantrums. We've had name calling. We've had nonsense. Now we have a grown, mature man who comes to us. And it's, it's a shame that you have to call, say that the president is grown and mature because the president should always be grown and mature. But we haven't had that. We've got someone who comes, he speaks calmly. He talks about pulling people together. He talks about uh, what needs to happen. He's aware of the coronavirus in a way that the previous one was not. But it's not just the coronavirus. He's aware about the hundreds of thousands of people who are not eating, um, who may be evicted, and his tone and tenor are empathetic to that. So this is, as, as Teresa, this is so refreshing to see. It's just so refreshing to see. And at the same time, uh, this man is going to need support. Within the Democratic Party, there are a lot of differences. Uh, young people have not seen anyone like them on the cabinet. Where's Buttigieg? 
Um, progressive people have not seen anyone like them on the cabinet. And Biden not only has to be grown, mature, calm, and moderate, but he has to also bring all these wings of the party together. Well, uh, it is, um, look, expect more antics. E expect uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. the crazy, deranged uh, Trump folks to do stup some stupid stuff. You heard what Carl Racine, the um, AG for the, for the District of Columbia, you heard what he actually had to say. Um, and, and I think um, that's what we can expect. I, I think, look, look, he's a loser. He's a sore loser. Um, he can't accept the fact that he actually got beat, that he lost the popular vote uh, twice. Uh, now he can't accept this electoral college defeat. Uh, and so Donald Trump is who exactly who we thought he was, who he's, who he's so us to clown, be. And, if you elect a clown, expect a circus. If you elect a clown, expect a circus. Well, so that's what I, I we're well, but, but actually, I, I think actually, I think this goes even further. I think that we, we've certainly elected a clown, but no one thought the entire Republican Party apparatus would right. be a part of the clown show. Right. Yep. And and that you Teresa, know that, that, the most disappointing part is because the all the conservative values, all the. American democracy, all the, you know, Christ first. It's like it almost went out the window when Donald Trump came in and it just changed people's ideology or brought out the best in them. So, again, this has been a wake up call for everybody. Yeah, this is the best in the Republican Party. This is the best in those Republicans. What do you think was the worst of them, Teresa? Not the best, but the worst. You think this is the best of them? So here's why. So here, let me be very clear. This is the best of, of the Republicans that that the people needed to see, because I think far too long people have always been shaded and coded by this per perception of the value system they were giving, and so people ultimately thought that was what they were getting out of their elected official. But essentially, Donald Trump changed that in the last four years and showed who they actually were. This was their actual best. This is what they were at home talking at the kitchen table about, right? How to change the system into their best interest. And I think people actually seen that. But for those who didn't fall into the trap, right? We got John Kasich, Republican governor out of Ohio. And we have so many others that just said, no, that's not really who I am. And that's not what I signed up for. So for those small portions of elected officials who are Republican that said, no, I'm not going into in, into this type of culture. We have seen the results. Well, you know, there aren't, you say there's so many. There are not so many. You can count them on your hands. If 130 Republicans would sign on to that Texas garbage legislation, then this really does speak to the bankrupt, broken, sick party that would rather throw democracy down the drain than to deal with reality. Well, I say so much because some of them have well, actually shifted their position. Not on this piece of legislation. Teresa, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so not on this direct piece of legislation. I'm talking about over time. I think some of them have started out with Trump and then some of them just, once he was a little too off the, the rails, they decided to just scale back. 
and really reevaluate their principles. So th th those are the uh, Republicans I'm talking what about. Principles? They have no principles, Teresa. They have no principles. How do 130 members of Congress sign on to a piece of a lawsuit that a Texas under indictment, I can't use my language, under indictment individual brings to stop the election, and these people who know better sign on to it. Don't say principles in the same sentence as those people. Yeah, no, no, yeah. The reality is they have no principles, uh, and so trust me, I'm just telling tell everybody, expect more crazy, more crazy from Trump and his maggots uh, between now and Inauguration Day. All right, folks, um, certainly some sad news. We lost uh, two... Uh, cultural icons over the weekend. First up, uh, country music legend Charlie Pride died at the age of 86 uh, from, from COVID-related uh, illness. Um, he, of course, died uh, at his home, longtime home, in Dallas. Uh, he was a country music star who broke many barriers. In 2000, Pride was the first black artist inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. In 1971, became the first black performer to win the CMA's coveted Entertainer of the Year between 1969 in 1983, Charlie Pryde amassed 29 number one Billboard country singles and became the first black uh, act to win a Grammy in a country category. Of course, which was best male country vocal performance for his 1971 album, Charlie Pryde sings heart songs. He leaves behind his wife, uh, Rosine, uh, as well as their three children. We also, folks, lost to COVID an, an actress, 76-year-old, uh, um, Carol Sutton. Many of us remember her, of course, from Steel Magnolias, Queen Sugar, and Lovecraft Country. New Orleans Mayor uh, Tonya, Latoya Cantrell spoke highly of Sutton in a tweet stating, quote, Carol Sutton was practically the queen of New Orleans theater, having graced the stages across the city for decades. Smith Sutton leaves her two children, Archie and Anya. Folks, that is it for us. I want to thank um, uh, I want to thank Teresa. I want to thank Julian and Joseph Williams as well for joining us. Uh, of course, uh, we are here in Atlanta, Georgia, covering the Georgia Senate uh, runoff race. Uh, it is it has been uh, quite uh, the busy uh, time for us uh, here in Atlanta. Tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, of course, uh, we'll be uh, at the um, rally of uh, Joe Biden. He, of course, is going to be coming to town tomorrow, uh, and he is going to be. Um, here, um, you know, um, again, uh, campaigning on behalf of Raphael Warnock as well as uh, John Ossoff. Uh, we have, uh, you know, again, you know, what we've done is, folks, uh, trying to bring you the kind of information that's necessary uh, to uh, what's going on here and, and really being on the ground. So, you know, it's, it's one thing to have folks uh, who uh, are talking about this just sitting in studios. We want to be able to cover uh, the necessary uh, things for you. This is some video here my eye blue shot uh, of uh, us uh, being out there at the Osof Warnock uh, rally today uh, that took place uh, at Turner Field. And uh, if you want to actually see that particular rally, uh, all you got to do is just simply go to uh, our YouTube channel and you'll actually see uh, that full rally as well. And so again, today we had uh, Warnock and Andrew Young at the, at the voting booth. And we, of course, we had the Osof rally in Gwinnett County. And then, of course, we had that rally. So tomorrow, look for us uh, to be live streaming, live streaming the, uh, the rally uh, of uh, Joe Biden coming to Georgia, a state that he won to campaign on behalf of John Osof and Rafael Warnock. Folks, uh, 
Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, we, we appreciate all of your support. Your dollars make it possible for us to do what we do. Um, we, you know, for us to be able to put on this production, to do this kind uh, of show. Look, let's be real clear. We aren't seeing a lot of all these other black media people out here on the ground covering this like we are. That's why Roland Martin Unfiltered needs your support. Uh, you can support us via cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. Of course, paypal.me forward slash rmartinunfiltered, venmo.com forward slash rmunfiltered. You also, of course, you can support us via Zelle, Roland at rolandsmartin.com. You can also send us a money order to New Vision Media, Inc., 1625 K Street, Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. Uh, we are close to our goal of having 20,000 of you become members of our Brain the Funk fan club. Our goal is to have 20,000 of our supporters contribute a minimum of 50 bucks each, uh, of course, which comes out to be a million dollars. Uh, that's $4.19 a month, 13 cents a day. And again, as there's some people, you can't afford that, but people have given less. We appreciate that, 25, 10, 5, uh, as little as a dollar. And then of course, we get people give a lot more than that. And we thank all of you of giving above and beyond that $50. Some of you have given $500,000, $2,000, $5,000, $10,000, $15,000, $1,000, because they believe in the mission of Roland Martin Unfiltered. And that is for us to be able to have uh, a news source that speaks to our issues, our concerns, and being completely unapologetic. And that's why it is called Roland Martin Unfiltered. So please support what we do. Uh, none of this stuff uh, is free, uh, but I'm telling you right now, it makes a huge difference for us to be able to tell our story where we control the narrative and we're getting the unvarnished truth when it comes to these issues. And so, again, please support us. Uh, again, if you're on YouTube, you can give right there on YouTube. You can also give on Facebook as well. And so a lot of y'all been watching for free. Look, I totally understand. Uh, there are some people, a lot of people are having uh, very difficult times, but if you can support us, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, if you would. All right, folks, uh, that is it for me. We're going to get some rest. Long day today, long day tomorrow uh, as we continue our coverage around the clock of the Georgia Senate runoff. Uh, I'm Bill Martin signing off from Atlanta. I'll see you tomorrow. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut. Every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.